Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. All right. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, just so happy to be here. So happy to see everybody. Um, yeah, just always so you know filled with gratitude, you know, doing this practice together. Um, yeah, never take it for granted. <laughs> um, so thank you, thank you all so very much for showing up today. Um, I want to talk today about. Uh, Vedana, which is mindfulness of feeling tones. And, of course, this is um, a real foundational practice. This is found, you know, in the four foundations of of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. Mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feeling tones, mindfulness of mind, then mindfulness of really all phenomena. And, you know, the this practice, I really think the Buddha was really pointing, pointing to just the truth of what is, you know, kept, he keeps pointing us back to this. He kind of took inventory, it sounds like, and just say, hey, we know what's the what's here, you know, just sitting down and noticing what's here. And then, and then putting these in in categories to help us sit with what's here and kind of um, the truth will set you free type of mentality, you know, saying, hey, this is, this is what's true. This is what is. And then staying with that and drawing out the wisdom. And so obviously, we are beings that feel. So we are beings that, that think. We have mental contemplations. Um, we are beings that are with body. <laughs> we have a body. Um, we have feelings. And then we have a body that has senses. So it picks up on phenomena. You know, so this is, these are the categories that, that create or are part of our reality. And so by looking deeply within them, like I said, drawing out that wisdom, um, but obviously if we're not with, with reality, there's no wisdom to be, to be seen. So I was thinking today of starting off talking about mindfulness. Um, and it's funny because I, I noticed that I rarely talk about mindfulness because <laughs> mindfulness is... Um, yeah, it's, it's so, that word is so overused in my opinion these days and, and it seems very foundational and, and obviously it's, it's something that's interwoven throughout every aspect of, of the path really, you know, without it, it's very difficult to do anything else. So we want to be clear that we're on the on the same page and of course as i look out here 
to all of you. I don't see anybody, anybody new. I might be mistaken, but I see years and years of practice and in contemplation. So I know obviously that this is review and, and yet at the same time, I know how much I love, you know, hearing about mindfulness again and reviewing it myself and, and all of that. So, so yeah, we'll just start here with the basics of mindfulness. What do we mean by mindfulness? Mindfulness of feeling tones. What do we mean by, by mindfulness itself? And of course, mindfulness is, is being aware in a particular, in a particular way. Mindfulness has these various subtle flavors that separates it out from bare awareness, or I should say bare attention. You know, there's definitely attention, which is part of it. And then there's these other subtle qualities. So that first ignition of mindfulness is this attention. I do want to apologize, by the way, right as I started the meditation, like my neighbor started a project. <laughs> so it's, it gets, it's getting noisy off and on. So I apologize for that. Um, so yeah, so we have this, this awareness. So we're bringing awareness to this present moment. Well, we say we're bringing awareness. One aspect is that we're bringing awareness to the to the present moment. This is a this is a quality. Is that we're not only drawing, uh, we're not paying attention, but we're paying attention to what's here and now. So this is a quality of of mindfulness that we're paying attention to what's here and now. Another aspect which is extremely extremely important is there's this knowing that we're attentive. It's not just that we have attention. It's the knowing, and this is almost, this can be maybe interchangeable with mindfulness or attention. It's that, that I know, that I know. And we see this in the text, in the Satipatthana Sutta, where these four foundations of mindfulness are drawn out in detail. You know, we hear this, this word knowing, breathing in, I know that I am breathing in, breathing out, I know that I am breathing out. And when a feeling, when a pleasant feeling has arisen, I know that this is, that there's pleasantness. I know that there's unpleasantness. So there's a knowing. So we're doing it consciously, like we're conscious of consciousness, we're consciously doing this. And to me, this is, out of the, all of the teachings, this is the most beautiful part for me. And it's something that, you know, I, I think we all have a difficult time explaining, explaining this because this really turns into a nonverbal, this is really nonverbal, this is pure experiential, which is what shows up when we're, when we're conscious, when we know something. When that knower shows up, what is that? Really, this is the investigation of the entire path is investigating this quote unquote knower, which of course is beyond words, right? And this is 
access to this quote-unquote knower, that which knows, is what mindfulness affords us. It affords us the opportunity to make contact with the knower of things, that which knows. Another aspect of mindfulness is that it's not, it's not doing anything. So sometimes we can kind of think of mindfulness as a stepping stone to something else. And in a way it is, and I even explain it as such as well, that mindfulness creates a space, for example, between stimulus and response. You know, we make contact. So our senses make contact with our world. And there's, of course, there's a response to that contact. If we're not mindful, we could just move with that response. If we are mindful, we can create a space and then kind of do something with it. But if we look closely, even the doing after we make contact and we're conscious and we're mindful, it is through the process of mindfulness that that something is dealt with in a peaceful way. So it's sustainability of mindfulness that allows us to tend to what is in a skillful way. So uh, especially when we categorize, you know, mindfulness of this or mindfulness of that, you know, say, oh, let's see, be mindful of your feeling tones. And then, you know, so that we could do something with them. You know, it's almost as if mindfulness stops and, you know, we kind of use it as a tool like, oh, look at, I'm mindful of feeling tones. And now what should I do with it? Almost like we're going to leave mindfulness and now we're going to contemplate it in some way with our minds in a more skillful way or something. But actually, it's through the sustainability of mindfulness itself that we see the truth of it. And it's just by looking in this way, just by looking in this way of, of bare attention, by, by knowing, and of course the other aspect, which is in a non-judgmental way, which I always remind you know, myself that the non-judgmental you know, instruction of mindfulness does not need to be said because awareness does not have judgment. Um, the mind has judgment, thoughts have judgment. So if we are in mindfulness, in awareing, we notice that there's non-judgment. And so this instruction that mindfulness is non-judgmental kind of corrals us. It's, it sets a boundary, like noticing, oh, if I'm looking in a certain way, then I'm obviously falling out of mindfulness, actually. I need to jump back in to just pure awareness, right? I've jumped into the mind a bit, right? So that process of holding something, holding it there in this way. Oh, look at there's two Casey's all of a sudden, because Don went. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so just by holding um, this something, whatever it is, in our frame of reference, with this knowing capacity, by holding it there. We get, we get to um, see it in a new light. And kind of going back to our intention, um, this relieves us from attachment and aversion. 
right? This by doing this, it relieves us from uh, this grasping mind that can turn into uh, attachment, um, aversion, you know, delusion, right? So just by resting in this in this knower, um, and I, I think it's twofold here too. Um, Hold on, I just want to see. We got a message here. Uh, that's a great question, Shannon. Um, so Shannon asks, um, is deciding whether a feeling tone is pleasant or unpleasant a type of judgment or is it just awareness? That's a really great question and I'll go ahead and address it now. Um, this is a form of noting and it, it's very experiential. Um, when we're doing this, when we're doing this correctly, um, because uh, the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral oftentimes come like um, immediately, without you know, w without even you know, um, it just it happens simultaneously. Like we would say, like upon arising. So upon arising, it just automatically met as we meet it we meet it with a sense of this is unpleasant, like it's already here, right? Um, as we see with this, with this actual practice is that we will eventually meet things with, with different immediate um, uh, reactions as we work with the process. Uh, what, what we once might, we, we found as unpleasant might be neutral. Um, uh, one something that we found very pleasurable, um, you know, might 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 have shift shifted as as well. So it's just meeting what is there. So in other words, when we look at an object, um, we see an object, and it's automatically transfixed in in the mind, right? Um, but the key here is we're not enhancing that in any way. So. We are meeting the pleasant. We are meeting the unpleasant. We are meeting the neutral. Uh, the the key is not to make something up that's not there, right? If something comes up and it's neutral, and then we're like, oh, if I contemplate this a little bit more, it's going to be unpleasant, <laughs> right? We're just we're meeting like it's it's already it's already there. Uh, something like fear, for example, it's like anxiousness, you know, like my body's anxious and we could say, oh, you know, this is unpleasant and I'm going to meet unpleasant, you know, it's like this, you know. I heard of a study, it was a while ago, so I don't know if I have the details exactly right, but this the study was they had a group of people put their hands in cold water and one group of people, they invited them to, uh, you know, it, like distract themselves, kind of like ignore this really cold water, you know, just kind of ignore it and to distract themselves with, with other thoughts and, and whatnot. And then they had one group of people um, feel like feel into it 
um, feel into uh, the, the cold water. And I, feel, I forget there was a third option, I believe, but I'm forgetting. But, but the studies show that the people that actually, that actually felt, the, felt the cold actually noticed it. You know, just notice what does this actually feel like? They they reported suffering the less out out of the out of the groups. So this is this interesting aspect of um, you know simply just noticing feeling as less suffering. So we get in touch with the the knower of, and of course, this is a beautiful thing that we have the, this knower and then we have then, then we have what is so when we start to extract things just a few things that i want to i want to just focus on when we're looking at mindfulness of feeling tones there's some i want to just look into this a little bit i'm gonna see if i could paste this into here the buddha was really interested in view like how do we view reality you know, how do we view reality? Um, do we view it as, you know, pleasant, unpleasant? Do we view it as, do we view something as one way or the other? Like somebody's pleasant, somebody's not so pleasant. And so when when we look at view, he kind of reverse engineered. He kept going back saying, how, did, how does this, how does, our, how is our reality made up, right? So he kind of reverse engineered, kept going back. And he noticed that that our view of something is based upon, you know, our attachment or aversion to it. You know, we could also throw in something, you know, neutral in there, right? So do we have an aversion to it? Um, obviously, this is going to have, if we have an aversion to something in a, you know, consecutive way, we might just impute that that something is that way. It's unpleasant, that person's unpleasant, that thing is unpleasant. Um, you know, I don't like hot weather, I don't like cold weather, whatever it might be the case. And he also noticed that you know this, these this, um, these cravings, uh, this, this attachment or aversion. So I'm using craving, by the way, and, and attachment. I'm, in, I'm interchanging those two. Is based upon our feeling tones. And so, and then of course our feeling tones are based upon contact. So the first thing is just making contact with something. And so mindfulness allows us to kind of nip it in the bud as far as making contact with something and and that contact turning into any kind of fixed view so the buddha saw any kind of fixed view as false because things are impermanent and shifting and changing so any kind of fixed view so if we have any kind of permanent fixed way of seeing something, then we're not seeing it correctly. We're not seeing it um, purely, right? Because things are shifting and changing and because of interdependence, they cannot be like external phenomena cannot be one way, right? We're not seeing the essence of something. So this, this is... Um, uh, a really good practical way to really see how mindfulness of feeling tones can relate to our real world experience. To notice that if I'm with my feeling tone, if I could be with that feeling tone, and, and instead of going outward into judgment, 
I could stay with what is, I could stay with truth. The truth is I'm meeting whatever's there. The truth is I'm meeting unpleasant. Unpleasant is arising and I know unpleasant arising is arising. You know, what could be a false or wrong view would mean, would be, and I'm going to pute that on something external. You know, um, heat is bad. You know, um, last week I was in, I was in the desert and I was, I faced extremes. It was really hot. It was really cold. You know, I was, it was snowing the first day and then it was really hot the final day. And, you know, just noticing the feeling tones of being, being with, with both, right? Um, great, great experience of, of just noticing Oh, I'm I'm meeting kind of two unpleasants. <laughs> I'm meeting this unpleasant and that unpleasant. Just but just meeting it, right? So it's not it's not good or bad or, or whatever or whatnot, what the mind wants to do with it, but we're just meeting it just as is. So now uh we're not with the suffering of delusion, of making stuff up. Of oh this is one way or this is the other. It simply is. You know, heat arising, cold arising, right? So actually, I don't think I actually said it, but feeling tones, oftentimes we categorize them as uh, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. That's why I keep mentioning that. I should have said that more explicitly, right? So... I, I want to read some stuff from, from Bhikkhu Bodhi. And um, and because a lot of, a lot of times the the feeling tones are attached to um, uh, the three poisons. So he has some some really great some really great um, uh, lessons here. So I'm just going to go ahead and read some of this. Uh, so greed, hatred, and, and delusion. Um, when, when things, when the unpleasant goes unnoticed, um, a lot of times this turns to anger. Um, when, the, when the pleasant goes unnoticed, it turns to greed. And when the neutral goes unnoticed, it turns to delusion or ignorance, right? So I'm going to read a couple a couple things from Bhikkhu Bodhi. Bhikkhu Bodhi has this, you know, he's a monk. He has this wonderful, wonderful small book on the Noble Eightfold Path, which I recommend to everybody. It's just extremely beautifully uh, written, just full of insights. So read a little passage from that. Feeling acquires a special importance as an object of contemplation because it is feeling that usually triggers the latent defilements into activity. The feelings may not be clearly registered, but in subtle ways they nourish and sustain the dispositions to unwholesome states. Thus, when a pleasant feeling arises, we fall under the influence of the defilements 
of greed and cling to it, or the defilement of greed and cling to it. When a painful feeling occurs, we respond with displeasure, hate, and fear, which are aspects of aversion. And when a neutral feeling occurs, we generally do we generally do not notice it or let it lull us into a false sense of security. States of mind governed by delusion. From this, it can be seen that each of the root defilements is conditioned by a particular kind of feeling. Greed by pleasant feeling, aversion by painful feeling, delusion by neutral feeling. But the link between feelings and the defilements is not a necessary one. Pleasure does not always have to lead to greed, pain to aversion, neutral feeling to delusion. The tie between them can be snapped. And one essential means for snapping it is mindfulness. Feeling will stir up a defilement only when it is not noticed when it is not indulged rather than observed. I'm sorry, when it is indulged rather than observed. By turning it into an object of observation, mindfulness diffuses the feeling so that it cannot provoke an unwholesome response. So this is a beautiful line. Mindfulness diffuses feeling so that it cannot provoke an unwholesome response. The, the the beauty is mindfulness diffuses the feeling by mindfulness. And I think this is a part of even the mindfulness practice, which can be kind of confused when the mindfulness practice moves into like ordinary mode of thinking, is that mindfulness is some kind of process, like a processing tool in, in that we have to do something once we get to mindfulness. But experientially, we notice that mindfulness unravels things on its own. It's through the insight of actually observing what is. It, it, it's almost like a magical process just by looking that, that, that this happens. And it's hard for the mind to, to understand this because the mind wants to do something. And we continue to not do anything with it. Um, and again, this does not mean... It, it, as far as response in the external world about uh, not responding to uh, to somebody and you know this actual non-doing completely but where I'm talking about an internal process of uh, building uh, wisdom and insight there's nothing nothing more needs to be done to get insight just by the looking itself so yeah by turning it into an object of observation mindfulness diffuses a feeling so they cannot provoke an unwholesome response. Then, instead of relating to the feeling by way of habit through attachment, repulsion, we can relate by way of contemplation, using the feeling as a springboard for understanding the nature of experience. Um, yeah, Karen, this is the, the Noble Eightfold Path by Bhikkhu Bodhi. That's um, from yeah what I'm reading from. So how these feeling tones relate to yeah, greed, hatred, delusion. Uh, this this pleasant again turns to greed. Um, 
the unpleasant to to aversion and and then the neutral goes unnoticed so a lot of times the neutral goes unnoticed and this turns to delusion and delusion is kind of falling into this delusion is not seeing things as they are kind of just taking things as face value not seeing the subtleties like when we turned to meditation today, for example, and we noticed how rich the moment is when we looked at it. So a lot of times we move through life just taking everything as face value. Like this is good, this is bad. Um, this is what it was yesterday. This is my route to work, you know. Traffic sucks and so-and-so is really cool. You know, the beach is awesome, like whatever. So we fall into this, this delusion of just not seeing things clearly, right? And I wanted to read one more as he goes a little bit more in depth. Okay. Uh, in the early stages, the contemplation of feeling involves attending to the arisen feelings, noting their distinctive qualities, pleasant, painful, and neutral. The feeling is noted without identifying with it, without taking it to be the I or mine or something happening to me. And this is a really big part of the practice is that when we, when we, can be, when we look at um, feeling tones arising to uh, it automatic, automatically could take away the self-identification, which we usually have with the feeling tones. Awareness is kept at the level of bare attention. One watches each feeling that arises, seeing it as merely a feeling, a bare mental event, shorn of all subjective references, all pointers to an ego. The task is simply to note the feeling's quality, its tone of pleasure, pain, or neutrality. But as the practice advances, as one goes on noting each feeling, letting it go and noting the next, the focus of attention shifts from the qualities of feelings to the process of feeling itself. The process reveals a ceaseless flux of feelings arising and dissolving, succeeding one another without a halt. Within the process, there is nothing lasting. Feeling itself is only a stream of events, occasions of feelings flashing into being moment by moment, dissolving as soon as they arise. Thus begins the insight into impermanence, which, as it evolves, overturns the three unwholesome roots. There is no greed for pleasant feelings, no aversion for painful feelings, no delusion over neutral feelings. All are seen as merely fleeting and substanceless events devoid of any true enjoyment or basis for involvement. Okay, thanks for hanging in there with me. That was a long passage, <laughs> but I wanted to take it from the beginning to the end, you know, so, and again, you saw how 
he's taking it from contact. We make contact and that whole process, we notice the impermanence and the fleeting aspect of it. And, and obviously along the way, that egolessness. And just by simply watching, noticing how attachment, aversion, and ignorance begins to slough off, right? And there's the freedom that, that lies there. All right. So I think this is a good, a good stopping point for us. Um, maybe we can discuss in the smaller groups uh, how we see this working in our own lives. I'm a very, I'm a feeler. Um, we all relate different to feelings. Um, some of us are more mental. Some of us are more uh, physical. Um, some of us are more feeling oriented. When we look at the four foundations of mindfulness and uh, a lot of times we see ourselves relating to, to some more than, than the others. But just checking in, like how, how does this, uh, this foundation, how does this show up in your life and some benefits that you have found by paying attention to uh, your own feeling tones without necessarily running off um, into them. So we can contemplate that and share each other's wisdom. So give me a moment. I'll put us in some breakout rooms. Okay, and then, yeah, we'll have 15 minutes or so, and we'll see you soon. Oh, welcome back. I hope your conversations went well. Hello, Anne's cat. Look at that cutie. That's yeah, she's awesome. pleasant arising. She is, she's been <laughs> definitely feeling the grasping of her. She's been coming around so I'm like oh she's got to join us so yeah awesome awesome yeah I got a dog on my lap and a cat passed out right to my left um yeah any anyone like to share kind of brought us back a little late sorry about that I wanted to share um something that was a statement repeated quite frequently by the sun Samin at the Golden Wind Zen Center that I wrote down in this little book. Rest in openness to the totality of present awareness. Love that. Thank you. I just want to thank you uh, for your talk. And I felt like um, since my sitting practice has been sort of falling off the past couple of weeks, it was a really good reminder about why I sit. And it felt um, really like foundational. And that, you know, if I can stay with the mindfulness of the feeling tone, I can stay away from the judgment and the suffering. And um, I just appreciated hearing that. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, thanks, Casey. That was really, really good and really useful. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful.
I wanted to uh, say two things that I found in between the statement of, um, I really like the pleasant unnoticed turns to greed. And so I was thinking about why, what's the missing ingredient um, when you mm -hmm. have pleasantness. And I believe that it's gratitude. Mm -hmm. You're missing gratitude and you just have pleasantness. Um, the only way to keep that feeling is to accumulate more. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you do have gratitude, even the smallest thing like seeing a, a, a flower sprout can be so much pleasantness if, if you have gratitude for it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then um, the unpleasant, unnoticed turns to anger. And why does that happen? Uh, and, and I felt what's missing, um, why unpleasant it turns to anger is you, you start to take it personally. Mm -hmm. So uh, anger, there's an opportunity for anger to turn into compassion. Mm -hmm. uh, the fire of anger can become the, the flame of compassion when you open it up. When uh, you're angry about something and you take it personally, uh, yeah. and that becomes me, um, you, you lose the opportunity for for uh, unpleasantness to become compassion instead it becomes anger. Right, right. So that's what stood out to me is why those uh, transitions would happen. Yeah, I like that. It's more like like antidotes. Like when you can see them arise, you could apply, apply those. Great. All right. Yeah, so we'll end today with uh, just dedicating the merit. You want to just move back into your um, posture for a minute or so. And maybe just connecting to any wisdom or insight that you noticed today, maybe just noticing, noticing how powerful that is when we awaken to that. Noticing that I could be aware of feelings without running into them, being moved by them, following them. This is so incredibly powerful. I'm not my feeling tones, I'm not my emotions, I'm not my thoughts. I can know them. Maybe connecting to any sense of liberation from suffering that you've experienced because of this wisdom. and making this sincere wish that all beings everywhere with that exception, may they feel this too. On every level, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. 
May they all be free from greed, hatred, and delusion. May all beings be happy and free from suffering. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.